What's going on, everyone? This is Poppin' Champagne. I'm your host, Zach Perlutsky. And I'm your co-host, Jake Melnick. We're back from a bit of a break. Jake, it's good to see you. How have things been? Things have been good. Um, Zach and I recently took a trip to Philadelphia together, along with a few of our other friends, for what some would call a life event. Others would call it ridiculous, but it was my bachelor party. <clears throat> we had a good time. We saw the Cubs beat, up, beat down on the Phillies before they traded away all their players. So I can't complain. Ate a lot of Philly cheesesteaks. My stomach wasn't feeling too great. That's pretty much expected. Yeah, ate, ate a lot of Philly cheesesteaks. Well, I figure we should get right into it. I know people have been, been asking us when the next episode's coming out, so I don't want to make them wait too long. But as we sit right now, Monday morning, August 1st, we're in August. I feel like the MLB season's kind of flying by. Trade mm-hmm. deadline, Tuesday, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. And it could be a wild one. I feel like it could be nothing or it could be a wild one. Jake, I know you're going to break down some of the trades we've already seen. And then we're going to talk about some of the trades that we might see and how all of that could impact your fantasy team during the stretch run here. Yeah, I feel like this is the trade deadline where they say everything's going to happen and then nothing happens. It's, it's already setting up to be that way, it feels like. Nothing's really happened in the last two days outside of a Luis Castillo trade that we'll get into. But you never know. Last year, there were 27 trades made on the trade deadline day. So it could be wild tomorrow or Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this. But in terms of the trades that have already been made, <clears throat> we can go through a couple of them. We'll start with the, the Vogelbach trade. So the Mets got Daniel Vogelbach from the Pirates. And I think this is ultimately due to the fact that the Mets feel like they don't have a ton of depth in their lineup. Uh, Vogelbach came in and started, I, don't, I wouldn't consider raking, but I'd say he's been, he's been a strong addition for them. He's come up, gotten a hit in a few games, and kind of been driving the ball to the gaps for them. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Mets really moved the needle too much with that trade. They probably are looking to make another move, but um, the Pirates really didn't need Vogelback, so I think it was kind of a win for both teams at this point, but we'll see there. The Mets also acquired uh, Michael Perez in the Pirates for cash. The Mets are struggling at catcher. Um, they're a contender for Wilson Contreras at this point, which we'll also get into. But I don't know if Michael Perez moves the needle that much either for the Mets. They might still be looking to make another deal there. Um, but the Mets were active early. And then I think the biggest one early in the deadline was Benintendi from the Royals. Uh, the Yankees didn't really get rid of too much in terms of prospects. I don't think Andrew Benintendi really um, should cost that much. Zach, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but the three prospects they got were – we're nothing special. Zach gave me a thumbs up, so he agrees. Um, moving on, the Mets also acquired Tyler Naquin. Uh, that was from the Reds. That one, I think, kind of similar to the Vogelback trade. They're just looking for depth. The bottom of their order has not been hitting well. Also against righties, um, they've been struggling, so they needed some left-handed bats. Naquin kind of fills that void. Uh, the Reds got a few, um, a couple prospects back there. The minor leaguers they got were Jose Acuna and Hector Rodriguez. Don't know much about them. So uh, fantasy-wise, I don't think either of them are making an impact this year. Maybe in a few years, but with the Reds' development of players, who knows. Um, The next one on the list, July 29th, the biggest one so far, Luis Castillo from the Reds. And, Zach, maybe we can have a conversation here. But the the Reds got back three of the top five prospects from the Mariners organization. And 
I know Luis Castillo is good. And I know he's probably going to be, I think he's got a year and a half to two years left depending on his deal. So it's not just a rental for this year, but three of the top five, the Mariners really going for it. Um, any thoughts there? I mean, when you are a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in 21 years, you got to kind of have to take some risks. And I think that happened right after they got, you know, it's right. I, I'm trying to, to search for a, a PG word here. Um, beaten up pretty good by the Astros mm-hmm. who they're going to have to get through the Astros in the playoffs. They're going to have to get through the Yankees in the playoffs. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to win the division. So they're going to be in the wild card. So they're going to have to play probably who would it be? Um, the twins maybe, or, you know, they play yeah. like the blue Jays or the twins yeah. or you know, the Rays, one of those, yeah. one of those wild card teams. So, I think the the I mean the longest playoff drought in any major sport in American sports right now. So, I mean, I yeah. think context in that in that sense matters. I also just looked; he's going to be in his third arbitration year next year, so it'll be his age thirty season. He'll be a free agent in twenty twenty four. So, I don't think this is just a move for this year. I think the Mariners are really looking to potentially spend some money this off season, and he kind of fits that timeline for them. I know Julio Rodriguez just. I, I didn't I don't know if the news if there's been more news, but the latest news I heard was he got an MRI, they haven't released the results. Um a few Twitter accounts I've been seeing have been saying nothing showed up on the x-rays, but uh when they go in the MRI and they put a guy in the IL, it's potentially a hairline fracture. So if it's a fracture in his wrist, that could be some timeout. So I'm not sure the mayor's gonna make any more moves for this year in mind given Julio could potentially be out for an extended period of time. But I think this fits their timeline of really going after next year. Um, And I think them getting rid of a bunch of prospects also fits that timeline. They're going to go for it. And then if they don't get it, they still have Julio Rodriguez. So I don't think they're going to be too upset. And again, all in the fantasy world, this all impacts. You look at a team like the Reds and the Pirates, they're going to have guys who are going to come up and young guys who are going to get a bunch of playing time. So if you're, you know, looking for just, someone on the waiver wire if you're in a 14-man league or whatever and you need playing time you know the reds and the pirates could be a good team where you can get some young players who i mean who knows maybe they'll have a good week here or there uh and then when you're looking at teams like the mariners or the mets who are adding you know you have to be a little cautious about players that you have on that team you know they might lose i mean is daniel vogelbach going to start every game down the stretch as he was for the pirates no so you know things like that is why it does have such a big fantasy impact. But also I think if you do get traded to a contender and we can kind of switch gears and talk about maybe trades that could happen in the next day. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a guy like Juan Soto, he's been the white whale for the last three weeks or whatever it's been. And you look yeah. at his splits since, since, you know, he turned down that 15 year four forty million million offer. I think it's, it's kind of weighing on him. And if he doesn't get traded, let's be honest. Like, what what mental impact is that going to have on someone who's one of the best players in the game, playing on a team that is has the worst record in Major League Baseball? Maybe in his mind, he was like, "Wow, I'm I'm going to a contender. I got a chance to win a World Series this year. I'm you know I'm going to have a new home, yada yada." And then if nothing happens, I mean, is not saying that he's not going to still be great and try, but the numbers post All Star break 
have just not been there. And I think, and I think he even did an interview with Fox over the weekend where he said that, yeah, you know, it is weighing on his mind. So, you know, those are some things to keep in mind as well. Yeah. You know, for guys like Juan Soto, you know, I know Josh Bell's also a, a hot trade commodity on the nationals. Yeah. No, I think the, uh, the mental side of this is coming out a lot more this year. It may just be because I live in Chicago and the Contreras news headlines have been everywhere, but every day there's probably a video or like a photo of what looks like Wilson Contreras, like visibly upset about just like his situation. He looks just like unhappy, just waiting to hear what, where he's going to get traded, if he's going to get traded. Cause it doesn't sound like he wants to be traded. Um, so I think the mental side of this has an impact. And if you're in a fantasy world where your trade deadline is after the actual MLB deadline, uh, Wilson's numbers might not be great right now, but if he gets traded to a contender and he's starting every day, I can almost guarantee you he's going to get up for the moment. So it might be a chance to buy low on a guy like Wilson Contreras. I'm not sure you're going to be able to buy a Juan Soto. If you are the Juan Soto owner in like a redraft league, it might make sense to start fielding offers for him if he's not going to get traded because, like Zach said, he might not be motivated at all. Um, but if he does get traded or he doesn't get traded once so in any sort of keeper dynasty league, I don't think it's going to matter after this year. Once he knows what his future is going to be, I think he'll be fine. So so what are some guys? So obviously Contreras, Soto, you know, Josh um, Bell to an extent. Those are the big names. I know Frankie yeah, Montas Frankie is Montas, out there. I think it's going to be like the biggest name if the Giants don't go into sell mode. And I'm not sure what the Giants plan on doing. They should probably be going to sell mode. They're beating up on the Cubs right now, which is not, or they did. We're beating up on the Cubs. I don't think it's anything to like be excited about for them, but uh, yeah, Carlos Rodon could be in the conversation as like a starting pitcher. So if Rodon is in this conversation, I think what you're getting get back from Montas as the A's is a little bit less, but for both of those guys, um, they both pitch in very pitcher friendly parks right now. So I think that's something to consider is um, although they both are very strong pitchers and probably will make an impact on a contending team. They're not, they, they might struggle a little bit out of the gate if they go to a, like, I don't know, a good example for Montas, but if he went to like LA, for example, the Dodgers got him. That park's a little bit better to hit in, especially during the day. So that's something to consider where these guys end up just to have some tempered expectations. Now, if you're in a, a league where they have wins as a category or you get points for wins, more likely to probably get a win with the Dodgers than he is with the A's. Something also to consider, but uh, just remember that they both pitch in very pitcher-friendly ballparks, and that's probably due to, to the fact they are both in the Bay Area. It's tough to hit there. So, another guy um, I was looking at was Brandon Drury on the on the Reds. I feel like he fits a lot of uh, a lot of places. It just he's very versatile on the infield. It just whether or not teams are going to make that deal for depth infield. Um, some of the landing spots that I've heard, Braves, Dodgers, White Sox. I know the Braves really need some middle infield depth. Um, so that could be a spot for him. Uh, another starter, Noah Syndergaard, and then Jose Quintana, kind of like that next tier of pitching. I don't really know if it makes sense for top teams to be going after them, but you might see the Braves add a back end of the rotation starter. So either of those can make sense. Um, some relievers 
the relief market's very cold, but it impacts saves hold. So like for the Cubs, I know David Robertson's been chopped and the Cubs don't really have like all the, you like a line to their bullpen. They got rid of Chris Martin. So it's kind of like the bullpen's in flux. So if you're looking for saves potentially, um, Scott Efros has been one of their primary setup mans the last few weeks. Dave Robertson's dealt. Scott Efros probably steps into that role. And then Daniel Bard on the, the Rockies. I don't think that's as likely. He just signed a new deal there, but you never know. The Rockies, I can never tell what they're going to do. So, Yeah, and a couple of hitters. J.D. Martinez, there's, you know, who knows what the Red Sox are going to do, but he's someone who... Remember last time he got traded to the Diamondbacks, I think 2016 or 2017, yeah. he hit 29 home runs yeah. after he got traded the trade And that's unbelievable. I mean, and I mean, Arizona is not like the most hitter friendly ballpark in the world. It's not like Yankee stadium. No. You know, it's not like he's hitting those Mickey mouse home runs like Aaron judges sometimes, but <laughs> But maybe, you know, maybe J.D. Martinez is just a guy who, whenever he gets traded, goes absolutely bananas. So that could be. Yeah, it might be in his blood. You never know. He's so, you know, so if you have, so with the trade deadline, just pay attention. If you have any of your players on the move, just know that things could change, whether that be their playing time, their productivity, whatever. And if you are, you know, needing to pick up some players, definitely target those teams who are selling, you know, they've they've got to have some good young prospects who are going to come up and get a, get a chance, whether those players hit, who knows, probably I'd say less than 50%. But again, playing time is, is kind of the key when we're talking about fantasy. So absolutely. All right. So that is kind of a look ahead of the trade deadline Tuesday, August 2nd, I believe six Eastern is when the trade deadline will pass. We're going to move on. We've got, plenty of mailbag questions from you guys. So we're going to, we're going to dive into a few of those. Jake, first question from David a Oh, big fan says he's missed the podcast. We're sorry, David, but with the trade deadline coming up and I believe he's talking about in fantasy leagues, okay. what's the best way to assess trade value? Is it worth it to trade future draft picks? Uh, if your league allows it. Yeah. You don't have to give up anything right now if you're trying to contend. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do is uh, go after some guys for a few picks here and there to, to maybe fill in a few holes. It's tough when you're trying to, if you're in like a keeper or a dynasty league, uh, to get top guys, even if you're giving up a lot of picks, just because most of those guys are probably going to get kept. So if you're going to be giving up something for – a Juan Soto, you're going to probably be giving up a lot um, if you're going to be able to give up anything at all. But I'd say, yeah, it's probably worth giving up a few draft picks. I mean, didn't you – when did you, like, sell and then the next year you won? Or no, you bought and then, like, um, I feel so like buying draft picks is so – I mean, I sold last year and I came in this year. And on paper, I think I have a lot of good names, but, like, the team's just not performing well. So yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's the same as in, you know, real life baseball, like mm-hmm. you're trading an unknown for a known commodity. Yeah. And that's kind of why I, it, from a standpoint, if I have a chance to get into the playoffs in a fantasy league, I like to buy and trade away my picks because typically year to year, you can usually find 
some gems on the waiver wire to fill in like a ninth round pick where, you know, that ninth round pick could be great next year. You don't know, but you could also find a ninth round value on the waiver wire in the next year if you're, you know, aggressive in waivers. So that's where I typically stand is if I have a chance, I'm, I am buying and selling my picks. If you can- I am, if I am completely out of it, there is no chance yeah, I don't think it makes sense to keep players that you aren't going to be keeping in a keeper format or in a dynasty format. It might make sense to keep certain players, but even so, just setting yourself up for the future if you have no chances here is never a bad thing. And you can just be like our good friend Alec B and uh, you know sell all the draft picks one year and then quit the league the next year yeah. on ceremonies. We love you, Alec. But, but my yeah. team name doesn't reflect that, but we love you. Yeah. All right, so that's... Uh, I think we answered David's question. Next question from Alex B. Lots of injuries on my team currently. How do I manage my IL when too many guys are hurt? So I think this depends. I mean, I'm sure each league is different. I know in our league, we have four IL spots combined. Mm -hmm. I'm sure other leagues have different quantities of IL spots, but I think the sentiment remains the same when you have all your IL spots filled up and you have a guy who you don't want to drop. How do you manage it? Yeah, I'd say, first of all, depends on like length of injury. Even if you have a guy who you do not want to drop, but he's only going to come back for a week or two of the fantasy like league, it might make sense to drop him. And somebody else will probably pick him up. But if the guy comes back late in the year, like for example, um, Julio Rodriguez right now, who knows how long he's going to be out. But if he's out you know, six to eight weeks, that probably lines up with, a potential like uh, fantasy playoff matchup. Even if he comes back in six to eight weeks, six to eight weeks is a long time to be keeping, to be out and not playing baseball, no matter who you are. And some players are able to come back and just perform really well, but I'm not saying drop Julio Rodriguez, but if there's a guy who you would want to keep on your roster, but he's going to be out for the next six to eight weeks and he might come back for the playoffs, it probably is worth dropping. And there's the exceptions like, the Julio Rodriguez is the Juan Soto's your top guys. You can't drop, but those fringe guys who you think that might come back and you might want to start them probably get to get rid of. Yeah. I think if you're a keeper, if you're in a keeper league and the players, a keeper, like I know you have Bryce Harper <laughs> and Bryce Harper's not coming back for a while, if at all this year, but you're not going to drop Bryce Harper. No. no, 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 no. I think it's very situationally dependent. If you are comfortably in the playoffs right now, and you can kind of, you know, you can right. have a have a wasted roster spot and you know that you're going to make – I think it's all about right now making the playoffs. Do whatever you can do to make the playoffs and then go from there. start – go from there. If you're fighting for a playoff spot and you have zero bench spots and, you know, your 10th round outfielder gets hurt and you're debating whether you just leave him – you know, you just waste an outfield spot for three weeks or you drop them and pick somebody else up. Drop them and pick somebody else up and hope that you know, nobody else can Especially in shallow league. pick them up. Like in a shallow league, there's probably going to be a 10th round outfielder on the waiver somewhere. Like the value, you, you can always get decent value. If you're in a deeper league, it might be a little tougher because playing time concerns kind of come into play. But like you were saying with a lot of the deals, the deadline – there's going to be a lot of changes to situations in terms of playing time. So it might be a good time to 
take those chances to get rid of guys too. All right, we got another question here. A couple more. One from another one from David A. Oh, David. He doesn't sound very happy here. Hey, blank. How do you deal with a co-manager who doesn't care enough? Do I drop him and take all the winnings? I'm doing all the work. Let me just first say that we're not marriage counselors, but Jake, I'll let you try and try yeah. and try and uh, address David A. and his whoever his co-manager might be. I'll look at this as the co-manager who doesn't do anything is an angel investor. They uh they just they help fund your team so that you can play in the fantasy league. Now, if you can afford it on your own, great. But you know, some people can't. So I'd say if you can pay an entry fee on your own, probably good to get rid of them. But if they're your friend, you know, you might want to talk to them first. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. Fair enough. David A, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with that. And then one question, it's uh you know, we can get into this in maybe later episodes. This is from Brian D. Hey guys, love the show, especially Zach's tenacity carrying the show while Jake was MIA. Oh, wow. I don't know if my I question is, that. my question is, when can I expect fantasy football advice? We'd love to know who you guys like in the upcoming rookie class and who might be fantasy relevant. I'd say probably pretty soon. I don't think we've actually talked about this, but we probably should be doing something soon. Yeah, well, we got a, a month, five weeks until the season starts. Yeah, drafts are probably coming up soon. Drafts. So I'd say in the next two, three weeks, Brian, we're definitely going to start. Um, we'll probably split between baseball and football. It's a tough time because the fancy baseball playoffs are hitting right as like the start of the football season is. So for a combination podcast, we might. Uh, yeah, we might just have hour long podcasts. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have two a week. Yeah. Our episodes might be a little bit longer. I think our fans would love that. They seem to have a lot of questions for us. So, Awesome. So those are, those are the mailbag questions. Thanks for everyone who sent in some questions to us over the past couple of weeks. Again, if you want to send us a mailbag question, all you got to do is email poppinchampagne. That's poppin, P-O-P-P-I-N, champagne, like the alcoholic drink, 64 at gmail.com. All right, Jake, we're going to end this episode the – Last segment, I should say. <laughs> a couple of players each of us are targeting. Trade deadline. Again, that could throw everything in flux. But we each got a couple of players, fantasy baseball-wise, who we think are peaking. Yeah. And you should pick up. We'll start with you. Um, yeah, I got a guy who's on a two-start week by the name of Braxton Garrett out of the Miami Marlins. He starts – both games at home, which is always a positive when you're a Marlins pitcher, huge ballpark. So uh, typically tough to, I wouldn't say impossible, but typically tough to hit home runs there. So if guys got some command issues, um, not necessarily as much of a concern. Garrett's been a guy who will walk a few guys here and there. Um, he's been a little bit, le- he's been doing that a little bit less this year than he has in the past. Um, but if he does have any walk, concerns coming into the start or if his controls not been quite as there i think his last start it wasn't quite as there um might be a good time to target somebody who's going to be pitching at miami for two games especially in the two-star week um his era right now sits at i think it's just under four for the year yeah just under four and 10 games started 
Um, striking out more in a guy per inning, though. So in terms of strikeouts, could be there. And I don't think either matchup's too tough. I believe he's facing the Reds in the first start, and I don't know who's facing the second start. I have to look at that. But um, yeah, Braxton Garrett, a guy to start week, both at home. A little bit risky, but I think time to take risks if you're looking to stream guys. Awesome. So I got another pitcher. Uh, this is a guy for the Reds. So we talk about kind of the trade deadline, you know, players like Luis Castillo being traded. Tyler Molly is on the, on the block. So this guy seems like he's going to for sure be in the rotation for the rest of the season for the Reds. Albeit, you know, they're not really going to do much this season, but Nick Lodolo seventh overall pick back in 2019 made his major league debut this year. Kind of a rough start. You know, he, he broke camp with the team had three starts since he came back in July, he's had five starts, three of those five starts he's given up one run or less last two starts. He's gone 12 innings, given up nine hits, only given up one earned run in those 12 innings with 16 strikeouts. This is a guy, a a big power lefty, great command, great fastball. Again, a top prospect. I mean, you, think about the Reds rotation in a few years. You got Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, these prospects they got from the Mariners. I mean, the Reds, the Reds are looking dangerous. They're going to find a way to screw it up, but you know, they're they're looking good at this point. So I think Nick Lodolo is, you know, he's got his feet wet in the major leagues. Now he's shown by his last two starts granted against Miami and Baltimore, but they were at home and great American ballpark is a, and he's known to give out some home runs and he's still showing well. Baltimore's offense has been good. Like, don't discredit what they've done the last few weeks um, leading into the break and then just after the break, too. So I know Miami's not quite as there, but. So Nick Lodolo, I think, is a guy who is going to continue to get better the more starts he has this year. And he, I would be, I mean, unless an injury happens, I don't see how he's, he's coming out of the rotation for the Reds this year. Yeah. The only thing I'll caution with both of these guys are young pitchers, just it doesn't, I don't think Lodolo has a ton of innings this year, especially at the major league level, but just watch their innings limits. A lot of the news will come out usually towards the end of August, early September, guys who are starting to like reduce uh, their workloads or the teams trying to reduce team, these guys' workloads. Um, whether that be they add a six-starter to the rotation or they skip one of their starts, just something to keep in mind too when you're looking at young pitching this late in the season. Um, but Nick Lodolo has been great for the Reds. So. Yeah. And I missed, he did not get sent down and he got hurt. So he missed a couple of months yeah. due to an injury. So that, that also might play a part into, or maybe it'll make him fresher because he's only thrown 38 innings this season. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely going to help him. They're going to need him to get innings. So he's might not be as much of a, a candidate for that, but just with young pitching and just something to keep in mind. I know Mackenzie Gore just went down with an injury, but they, in the, at the Padres, um, we're going to put him in the pen for like a decent amount of time because he had hit a certain innings threshold and he was doing great as a starter. So just a cautionary tale um, to look out for just in case. Um, next guy I had was um, a guy on the Diamondbacks, but he's not there yet, but just really quick, Braxton Garrett is also going to be facing the Cubs next week or this week. So it's a Reds-Cubs week, which after the trade deadline – might be one of the easier schedules a pitcher can face, especially at pitching both games Miami. Um, anyway, uh, with David Peralta being traded, there is an open spot in the outfield for Arizona, and Arizona is a decent place to hit. 
So always good to look into seeing what that looks like in terms of who's going to be filling in for that playing time. Um, right now, it's probably going to be Jake McCarthy. However, Arizona's got a guy by the name of Corbin Carroll, who's their top prospect, who's been um, playing very, very well in AA this year. Um, looking at his AA stats, he hit 313. His OPS was over 1,000. He had 16 homers in 58 games, so um, pretty good there. Also had 20 stolen bases, so power-speed combo. I know in AA, a lot of these guys will steal a lot more bases than they would in, let's say, um, you know, the majors or even AAA. But in his short stint in AAA this year, let me look. I had it just up here. Yeah, in AAA this year, three homers, 13 games. He's still stolen um, six bags and seven attempts. Um, his OPS is just under a thousand. I don't know what their timeline is going to be on him. They have said his timeline is going to be in 2023 before David Peralta was traded. Now with David Peralta gone and the Dynamax completely out of it, you could see this guy getting called up mid August, late September. Um, I know with, you know, the service time considerations, some of these guys won't get called up till rosters expand. So maybe a candidate for a month from now, when you're looking into the playoffs, trying to get some speed, but uh, Corbin Carroll, Diamondbacks, not currently up, but a guy who potentially could get called up and make an impact right away. So I got one more. He's also a hitter. And Jake, he's back. <laughs> you know who I'm going to say? I think you should let the audience know. Paul DeYoung. He's back. He's back. His 140 average? Um, His average should have gone up. I don't know what his average is, but his OPS is almost at 500 now. Oh, oh, we're we're huge. (laughs) He did hit two home runs this weekend, just saying. He hit 17 home runs in 52 games, I believe, in AAA. Listen, this guy, (laughs) yes, he's not great, but... If he can be 75% of what he was three years ago. Is that a productive? Pick him up. Pick him up. Yes, it's a productive. He was like an all-star three years ago. Yeah. He had like 30 home runs three years ago. Start the all-star game? I don't think so. Okay, that's good. I I don't remember that. I'm just asking because if he started. He might not have been an all-star, but he maybe deserved to be an all-star. But he had, I think, somewhat like 30 home runs or something like that. Okay. If he get, I'm. Sosa's gone. Paul DeYoung is going to be the starting shortstop. If you want playing time, he'll give you playing time. If you need home runs, he'll give you home runs. I haven't been as Who knows? Maybe he found final. something in AAA when he why, went down for why are 50 they games. Bringing him back up? Like what's, what's they that? traded Sosa because he's terrible. Okay. And, uh, and he had 17 home runs in 50 games. I mean, how do you keep him down there with that kind of power? It's AAA. That's why. It's not the majors, 500 OPS. Okay, and he's had two home runs in two games since he's been back. Hey, you know what? Some strong starts. You can't discount this. Including one, including one to dead center field in Nationals Park, which was like that 420 is, or something. That is a, that's a shot. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give him credit there. But it's also the Nationals, so, like, let's call, let's call it down a little bit. And, you know, Cardinals, guys, you get really excited about them. Just don't want I'm you just to saying – He's an adult, he's owning one point seven percent of leagues right now. He's a guy who's going to get playing time, and if he can find his form, if he can find seventy five percent of his form, he's going to be better than 
75% of the players on the waiver wire, at least. That's all I'm saying. You're not wrong. I look forward to you picking him up. So you, I mean, you said risks. He's a risk. Look, look, I'm, I'm not discrediting Paul DeYoung. Just saying, um, watch out for the Cardinals bias here, but you know, it sounds like he's had a good start. So I'll give you, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on this one. Also, uh, we didn't talk about our weeks. It was not a good week for us. Either of us. Um, I lost, you lost. I think we can leave it at that. that uh, I won this week, okay. if that's what we're, if we're talking about this week. Oh, this week, this week. I'm sorry. You lost the week before. This week you played the – we have one guy in our league who doesn't check his lineup at all. Um, Zach beat him this week, so good win, Zach. Good work. Whatever. I mean, there's been so many weeks that have passed, we don't even need to bother the people with breaking it down. I mean, I think if I didn't mention um, David A. beating me this week – he would be upset. So I'll, I'll just say David A beat me this week. I thought the co-manager beat you. No, like the co-manager. No, 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 no. David A. Big All right. Time. Anything else? I mean, there is some news in the, the world of football, in the world of fantasy football. Sean Watson. Oh, Debo Samuel too. Sean Watson's out for the first six weeks. Browns I mean, Browns. I don't even, I don't even want to get into the, to the look that it is that he got suspended for six weeks for all of that stuff. And Calvin Ridley's gone for the whole year for placing some bet. I mean, we can attest DraftKings is pretty fun and addictive. So I understand how he he could do that, you know? Um, Yeah. And it's never good when you have a player betting on sports, it definitely ruins the integrity. But when you have somebody who. Yeah. But betting on sports that he's not playing, that's the difference. Probably deserves to not play football anymore. So. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's a big fantasy thing, and then you know it's obviously going to have trickle down effects to, you know, it'll probably help Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for the first six weeks. Or not? Because I don't like, even know who who even know. are the who even are the Browns receivers. They lost Landry. Jones, they lost Donovan, OBJ. Donovan's people Jones. You got a. They still got uh, Austin Hooper and David and Joku. Yeah. Maybe. Hey. There'll be guys to throw to. Don't even worry. There's always John, maybe Dearness Johnson will become a wide receiver. Who knows? Block guy. Uh, so yeah, Debo signed a new deal. So contract. sounds like he's staying with the Niners yeah, for yeah, yeah. a little bit at least. Yeah. Uh, Trey Lance, quarterback, announced. I'm not sure if that's a good thing for the 49ers. Didn't seem like he was too great with them last year, but that was very limited playing time. I don't know if it's great for Debo because I don't. I think Debo no, I think was more of a running back when he was – Trey Lance was the quarterback. It'll you know? be good for Debo. I think it'll be bad for George Kittle. I don't think they're going to throw the ball ever. I think they're just going to run the ball every, every play. No, I don't think they're going to run the ball. Trey Lance is using his legs. They have Debo Samuel who lines up in the backfield. They have Elijah Mitchell – um, and like a plethora of running backs there. I Yeah, they've always had a plethora of running backs. I know. I just don't know who they're throwing the ball to. Like Debo Samuel, they'll throw George it to George Kittle. He's I not. mean, Brandon Ayuk kind of came on the end of last year too. Yeah, but that he's was not with, bad. That's with, you know, guys who are – that's with an offense that's throwing the ball. I know they ran a ton. But, but Trey Lance was also coming on late last year. So, I mean no, – Trey Lance didn't play that much last year. He had some starts towards the end of the year. Yeah, that's and George Kittle didn't perform on this. So someone, so somebody go, somebody go break down, somebody go break down the splits for George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and the games Trey Lance started. That's your that's your homework this week, Jake. uh, Okay, we'll just do it right now. Well, we have three minutes left, so let's not do it right now. Starts with Trey Lance. Let's not do it right now. Oh my god! 
All right, we can end it. He's talking really highly of him. That's what I'll say. Every article is George Kittle. Trey Lance has insane ceiling. So George Kittle loves Trey Lance. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And I guess the big thing we got to just look for in terms of football the next few weeks is who's going to go down with the torn ACL in, you know, practice. Because that always happens. Why you draft two days before the season starts. So we don't have to deal with that. Yeah, but it's still going to happen. Yep, it will. And somebody's still going to get hurt one day before the season, even though you draft two days before the season mm-hmm. or in week one. So, Jake, anything else? No, I'll look up Trey Lance with George Kittle. I'm determined. Awesome. Well, we're happy to be back. Again, don't forget to subscribe, rate, share this podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at PC Fantasy Sports. We're happy to be back. Until next time, I'm Zach Perletsky. I'm Jake Melnick. Have a good week.